Welcome to e-commerce on steroids. Buckle your seatbelts and learn from industry pros how to take your e-commerce business to the next level. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of e-commerce on steroids. Today's episode guest is Shannon Lohr, founder and CEO of Factory 45. Shannon is sharing with us great tips on how to start your e-commerce fashion brand. Enjoy. Shannon, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for taking the time today. How is everything going? Very well. Thank you so much for having me. Just to kick it off, why don't you give us a little background of yourself and what you're currently up to? Sure. Um, So I guess over 10 years ago, I was starting my own sustainable fashion brand. I was a journalism major in university. I didn't know anything about fashion, but I knew that I wanted to start a business. I knew that I wanted the business to help both people and planet. And then when I started researching the fashion industry, I realized, wow, like this is not good. The fashion Mm -hmm. industry, traditional fashion industry has a very negative impact on both people and planet. And so my then co-founder and I decided if we were going to do this, we were going to do it the right way from the start. But it was very, we were in way over our heads. It was a very, very long journey to even get a physical product that was sustainably and ethically made. And we eventually did launch the highest funded fashion project in Kickstarter history at the time. Uh, We were featured in the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal. It was this amazing entrepreneurial first project, but I realized it should be easier to do this. It should be easier to start sustainable fashion brands from the beginning and not have to backpedal as many brands are having to do now once they're established and say, oh yeah, now we care about sustainability. So that leads me or led me to what I do today, which is uh, Factory 45. It's the online business school that takes sustainable fashion brands from idea to launch. And it was started in 2014. I have since worked with over 500 fashion entrepreneurs all over the globe. What an amazing journey. That's why we are here today. I want to have your expertise on uh, how to start and actually build and grow a sustainable fashion brand. And that's uh, what the topic of today's episode is about. So to kick it off, I'm, you know, I would love to ask, what's the first step? Like, say, assuming that we have a product idea, we kind of know what we want to sell. What's the next step? How should we start? So if you already know what you want to sell, I always say get a one-page business plan together. You do not need the 40-page business plan that you will often need for pitching investors. I always say, You know, most of us need to bootstrap our way there, Um, especially with fashion. It's just really hard to get outside investment from the beginning. So assuming that you're going to bootstrap and fund your, you know, on your own, um, just get your idea down on paper in a one page business plan and then start to identify your ideal target customer. So you can then start building an audience before you are ready to sell. That is the number one most important thing is to build an audience before you're ready to sell anything. Mm. Could you elaborate on that? Yeah. So when it comes to launching a physical product online, let's say direct to consumer Mm e-commerce, which is what we're obviously talking about, you really want to make sure you have both an email list and a social media following so that you have an 
built-in audience. The worst thing I see people do is go to like launch, let's say a pre-sales campaign or a crowdfunding campaign on Kickstarter, and they have this beautiful product and they haven't spent any time building up that email list or social media following. And so they're essentially launching to an audience of zero people who don't really care or they just don't know. And so that's why it's so important to take your customer, your ideal target customer, the person who you ideally ideal world would buy your product and take them through the journey with you as you go from idea to launch. And that's Mm. what we do in Factory 45. That's powerful. It does make sense. Uh, I think I'm going to go a step back though. And I'm not sure even if it's before the sort of we know what to sell or after, but uh, I'm going to ask anyways, like I want to help. I want to get your help on processing the concept of making like the product within the, let's say I'm in Greece. Should I manufacture in Greece or should I source from China? Like how do, yeah, should I sure. how should I process this decision? So one of the key tenants, at least for myself and for fact, the Factory Forty Five program, is localization. So not only is this about trying to manufacture as close to where you physically live because it's better for your local economy, but really it's so that. It's for ease and simplicity for yourself. You want to be able to be at your factory, to talk to your manufacturer face-to-face and not have to really deal with overseas shipping, customs, duties, all of those things that come from, let's say, sourcing from China, where your MOQs, your minimum orders are going to have to be much higher and it's just a much more complicated process. So yes, my recommendation is to localize. Mm, that makes sense. Uh, you know, th- there's a, definitely a lot of buzz around sustainability, ethical manufacturing, you know, all these eco-friendly products and all that stuff, which is great and I get it. But could you elaborate on why all these matters and, you know, even though it is important and everyone knows that it's important, like fast fashion is still here, has taken over the industry. Why, why is that happening at all? Because it's cheap. It's cheap and you know what, we have this consumer mentality, and this is generally speaking, obviously, this isn't everyone, but of retail therapy, right? We buy things to make ourselves feel better. It's a psychological pull towards, I need that new thing because it's going to fulfill a need. And fast fashion is what does that, right? It's like, New, a new trend every week. I can buy this dress for $10, 10 euro and uh, wear it once and not have to feel bad about throwing it to the back of my closet and never wearing it again. So that is one of the things that I've really been pushing for and trying to message and communicate over the last you know 10 plus years that I've been doing this is the need to get away from fast fashion, to get away from that model and why it's so important to help sustainable brands launch that are not only, you know, all the things like sustainable and what we hear as, you know, eco-friendly and all that, but more about those brands communicating why it's important to be trendless, seasonless, durable, made to last, high quality products. Okay. So from what I understand is what you're saying is that not only brands need to communicate and sort of sell their sustainability, but rather try to educate the end consumer why they should go with a sustainable brand. Is that correct? Yes. And I have seen that 
so I've seen that shift over the last decade. When I was doing, when I was starting my brand in 2010, you didn't even put the word sustainable and fashion together, right? It was like an oxymoron to even mm. use. Nobody knew what sustainable fashion was. And now because new brands are coming out because they are communicating the importance of it, the messaging and yes, marketing, because obviously you need to market. That is what is shifting the conversation and is so important. I always kind of I'll, I'll get asked a lot this question of like, do we really need more sustainable fashion brands? Like it's just creating more stuff. But to that, I say, you know, what's the alternative, right? Like we need these brands communicating why this is important, why less is more um, and all of those key tenets of what it means to be a sustainable fashion brand. Mm. I'm going to stay a bit more, uh, uh, you know, on the sustainability topic. Uh, do you think, In, indeed, that sustainability is not only uh, using sustainable material and, and uh, you know, from, from the beginning to end of manufacturing process, or is also, as you mentioned, less is more? Because I, I, I think it was Patagonia that launched uh, not long ago a campaign, and they were pretty much not empowering their customers to buy more if their jacket, let's say, was okay. Yes. Which is to my, you know, I'm a marketing guy, I'm a sales guy, like to my to myself, like is a bit risky, but they did it. And, you know, I think what what's your take on that? Yeah, I, I love that messaging. I also, you know, a, a, a fleece jacket from Patagonia is going to cost probably five times more than a fleece jacket from H&M, right? So they also have the margin built in there if they get their customer value is higher than it is for, let's say, an H&M customer. So I think that all of that is, you know, it's smart marketing. They know who their customer is. They know their customer likes hearing that messaging. Um, it's same with REI, you know, Black Friday is such a huge thing here in, in the United States. And REIs did this whole like opt out of Black Friday thing, like go out outside instead. So I think you can do it in a way that makes sense for creating a, a long-term lifelong customer. And mm -hmm. yeah, you may lose their sale like that day, but they'll be with you for, for years to come. Yeah, makes sense. Uh, okay. What about funding, uh, you know, in terms of money? How, how much money, you know, any uh, fashion entrepreneurs need to, to let's say, launch their, their new brand and have it online or offline or whatever they prefer? Yeah, so it's not as much as you would think and it's not as much as, let's say, what, you know, I, I think I remember fashionista.com said in 2014 that you needed a million dollars to be able to launch a fashion brand. And, And that's certainly not the case anymore. And it's not what I've seen, you know, every single year that I help brands launch. Um, the model that I teach for launching is specifically designed so that you don't need all of that money up front. So let's say you need $20,000 for production um, to go into production of, let's say, 500 units. You can pre-sell. And that is the strategy that I teach, whether that is pre-selling through a crowdfunding site like Kickstarter or through your own Shopify or e-commerce store. The idea is to get your customers to finance your production for you so that you're not creating inventory with your own money. And you're also not creating inventory that you don't know will sell, right? Mm -hmm. You're reducing your own financial risk 
and just the risk of time and energy and everything that it takes to to put into um, to a launch. But this is also why going back to the very beginning question, it is so important to build an audience before you go to pre-sell. And that leads me to my second, to my next question, actually, which is like, okay, we have the one page plan. We know that we want to build anticipation and, and excitement for the launch. And I, I get from, I guess from, from your previous response that the first and foremost channel is probably like a, a crowdfunding uh, website or because I think from personal experience, it's, let's say, quote unquote, easier to build uh, a funding, you know, anticipation and excitement uh, through any crowdfunding campaign, but rather rather than, you know, building your own store and driving your own marketing. But I may be wrong. What's your take? Like, is it crowdfunding the way? Um, so I've seen both. I have brands that launch just through the Shopify site pre-sales, and I've had brands that launch through crowdfunding. I will say the brands that launch through crowdfunding on average uh, raise more or pre-sell more than the ones that just do it on their own website. But I think it's also about personality fit. Not everyone, you know, Kickstarter can feel like this like huge deal and like a lot of exposure and just feels very vulnerable. You know, you have a set timeline and, and, and a goal amount. Um, so it really kind of just depends on the entrepreneur and if they just want to kind of test the waters through e-commerce pre-selling or if they really just want to go for it and try to raise you know, a, a significant amount of money. Shannon, help me understand. Is my own perception on it's uh, I, initially I thought that crowdfunding campaigns are more for like innovative products and uh, sort of more, let's say, tech-based products. But now from what I see is like everyone can actually launch a, a, a crowdfunding campaign, even though it's it may not be like a super unique or innovative product, right? Right. And, and that goes back to, you know, I always tell my entrepreneurs, you cannot depend on Kickstarter or Indiegogo or whatever the crowdfunding platform is that you choose. You cannot depend on them to drive traffic, right? You'll get traffic, you'll get backers from the site itself, people just kind of browsing. But for the most part, again, why you have to build an audience is to drive them to the campaign. Yeah, gotcha. Makes sense. Okay, so say that we are ready to go live. What would you advise me to to any? What would you advise to any of uh, fashion, let's say, entrepreneurs? What's the most important step to take, like one day before we go live? What should we make sure that it's working well? Oh, so many things. Do we have enough time? <laughs> <laughs> um, I have a whole separate course just on creating a successful kick or Whoa. a successful crowdfunding campaign for fashion brands, but let's just do high level. You want to make sure you have like a beautiful photo driven profile page, campaign page where people can read everything, you know, look at the product, have samples. You want a two minute video that is snappy, engaging, really catches the potential backers attention. And then of course you want to have kind of your rewards, which is what you are pre-selling. So going back to like, this is not GoFundMe, this is not donations, this you are actually pre-selling the product that you are launching for your brand. So whether that is one signature product or five to seven, you know, a capsule collection, um, those should be your rewards. And then of course you want just like a locked and solid marketing strategy for every single day. You have to think of it as like, if the average campaign is 30 days, 
it's a marathon, not a sprint, but you have to be ready every single day to be just messaging over and over again to your audience and, and doing whatever you can to get them to share to their uh, network. Mm, thanks. Thanks, Shannon. So we have the do's. What about the don'ts? What, what should we avoid? Uh, what are some red flags that you always see happening and maybe can help someone not doing these mistakes as well? You have to wear, be aware of price point. So once you get over the $200 retail range per, per piece, it starts to get a little bit too high for Kickstarter fashion, the fashion category. So you just have to be aware of price. Um, you have to be aware of value. So if you have, you know, your rewards of what you're pre-selling and you have, uh, you know, you are selling a shirt and a pair of pants and you, and you combine those as a separate reward, you want to make sure the value adds up. Um, you want to make sure that you're not calling it donations. This is the biggest thing that I always see. I'm like, oh, it kills me. (laughs) Um, Don't say donate to my campaign or, um, you know, any sort of like charitable language. That's not what this is. Again, you're you're pre-selling your your for your brand launch mm, makes sense L- last question which i think it can be an episode by itself but it's also interesting to me and i always have this sort of debate on my mind like so how can we decide if a brand stays only retailing or also if a brand is going to do wholesale as well oh yes that could be a whole separate episode um it, it really depends on margin and what you, what's the end price you want to offer for your, for your customer. If you feel like your margin can allow for that wholesale markup and still, you know, be uh, attainable for your customer, then that's a conversation you can start to explore in going to boutiques and, and doing, going the whole wholesale route. Um, I will say that the majority of my brands stick to direct to consumer. Um, and if they do any sort of kind of like in-person or brick and mortar, it's that they're doing their own pop-up shops or they're going to markets or they're kind of uh, doing it that way or like online marketplaces, drop shipping, that type of thing. Mm, makes sense. Shannon, thank you so much for your time today. Uh, what's the best channel if someone wants to reach out? Oh, thank you so much for having me. Um, my website is factory45.co. If you are interested in launching a sustainable fashion brand, you can book a call, talk to us about whether we're a good fit. And then I'm on Instagram at factory45co. Thank you so much. Thank you. We hope our podcast inspired you. Join our Facebook group Shopify Q&A for more great e-commerce and Shopify tips.